Is it on? Welcome to the Shaunt Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. Welcome into another edition of the Shaunt Show. We come to you following Coastal Carolina's loss to College of Charleston on Monday night. Um, you know, we're headed into the holiday break. This is a team that we expected a lot out of at the beginning of the season. And now this is probably one of the best group of, of I say group of five, that's a football term, but best of the rest, if you will, in, in basketball. They're just outside the top 25 in College of Charleston, and, and they are a really good team that would probably win the Sun Belt without question. Coastal Carolina drops the decision, and they didn't particularly look good doing it. I mean, there was there was a stretch for about the first half of the first half where they kept it close. They looked like they had the talent and the ability to keep in this game, uh, and then some coaching decisions uh, that we will get into later made it real easy for College of Charleston to pull away and keep Coastal at bay for a long time. Josh, you are this show's basketball expert. You follow this program closer than anybody else. What are your takeaways from tonight? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, we lost, and College of Charleston's a very good team, and not only would they probably win the Sun Belt, if if they don't slip up majorly, they'll get in as an at-large. They won't even have to win the CAA. But um, it's just there's a lot of positives, but there's also there's also quite a few negatives that, I mean, College of Charleston just exposed on a bigger level than and on the same level that that Mizzou game had because they're, those teams are about on the same level. Um, Jamaru Brown, I don't really know what was going on there, but he only played nine minutes. He's our leading scorer and something must have been wrong because he only took three shots when he played, um, some positives. Um, Josh Uduje had a great game. He showed flashes of the reasons we know he's so good and we believe in him a lot. Eight for 17. He was a dog. He was getting to it. He was being active, played him 40 minutes. I mean, he played 33, but aside from that, Antonio Day also, it was great. He dislocated his finger in that game against South Dakota. So he only played a couple minutes and he couldn't do anything on offense. But it was great to see him in action, getting 15 points, driving to the lane. He's very good. He is as advertised. He's going to be great this season, I promise. Like, you can have my word on that. But aside from that, Abraham didn't do a lot. I mean, one shot in 23 minutes. That's typical of Abraham. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why he's out there very much. They just have weird – it was weird, definitely weird rotation in this game, and a lot of that has to stem from Jamaru Brown. But other than those two guys, Isam, another Isam game, a double-double, it's just sometimes he fixates a little too much on scoring around the basket. But overall, a, a good game, that's what he's – he's kind of like Grayson McCall, he's not as good, but – He's going to give you that every time. That is going to be his game, and it's not going to deviate much. But, I mean, just a lot of – I expected us to get beat pretty bad. We showed signs of life. So, overall, I'm not super panicky, but we definitely – we have a lot to tighten up for sure. Jordan, I'll toss this to you. 
this is a team that has a lot of talent. We see it night in and night out, but it's just never come together. Tonight is another example of that. Again, what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you think this team has the ability to put all the pieces together in the future? And what do you think happened tonight that prevented them from doing so? Um, I do believe we can get together, but we're going to have to do it really quickly. I mean, I really expected us to try to get it together before we got into conference play. Now we're about to really start getting into conference play. And this is really where you need to be having everything going as far as like players playing together and the chemistry and everything supposed to be on point going into conference play. We're about to see how good this uh, of a team we are now going into conference play. But tonight, I mean, we just – I feel like we struggled a lot. We struggled at guarding the three-point shot. You know, College of Charleston had two players on their team, uh, Dalton Ballone and um, Renee, Renee Smith. I think I'm saying his name right. Those guys look like the Splash Brothers out there for Golden State. You know, Smith missed – he was only six or seven from the three, and then Ballone was two for two. And um, – you can't you can't you can't win games when you're giving up 14 three pointers <laughs> as a whole. Like you just can't win games like that. And our defense has to be a lot better. Um, you know, we don't know what was going on with Jamaru Brown, like Josh said. We don't know exactly what was going on with him, but you know, when your leading scorer is only scoring single digits, that's not good. So, but I was happy to see uh Josh Aduje scoring in double figures and getting real aggressive because we haven't really seen that from him since he's been here. And to see that, that gives me great signs that, you know, going forward in the season, he's going to be more aggressive. I think the coaches trust him a little bit more this year to shoot the ball. And he played pretty good today, tonight. And um, I just wish we could play a little bit more players. You know, um, Jimmy Nichols only played 15 minutes. And, you know, we talked highly of this guy coming into the, the preseason pie, you know, I was expecting big things from him, and it doesn't seem like the coaches are giving him a lot of playing time. So, uh, you know, as a whole, you got to give College Charleston credit. This was, you know, a team that was on a 10-game winning streak. Now they've extended to 11, but I'm hopeful that, you know, we can get this thing together. But I think as a whole, we got to be a, be a lot better at defensively defending the three-point shot, and we got to play a lot better shooting as well because we haven't been shooting the ball pretty well as a team. The thing that kicks you in this game is that we actually made more shots than they did. We made 27 shots and they made 26, but our three point defense, you can't, I mean, you can say half of it is that they were hot because one of the kids hit a shot from the logo. You can't do anything about that, but there were a lot of missed switches on screens. They were doing a lot of off ball screens and they were just getting really good looks and their guys were knocking them down. They were hitting the shots they were supposed to. And they just had way too many shots that they were supposed to hit at the three-point level. If we want to compete in the Sun Belt, like we said, we should have been in this game if you look at the box score. But three-point defense has got to improve. They hit 14 threes. And granted, they jacked up a bunch, but you got to defend the three-pointer because now that's the name of the game. Nate and Jeff said that a bunch on the broadcast. But when Isam Mustafa 40-point, he can hit 20 shots, but if they're hitting – 13 threes, it's the same thing. So we got to defend the three. Yeah, beyond the arc seems to be where most of Coastal's problems lie uh, on offense and on defense. We, we talked before this pod and, and we reminisced about last season and, and the absolute deadly weapons that Coastal had 
from beyond the arc last season. You know, they had Rudy Williams, they had Vince Cole, they had a bunch of guys that you knew once they got the ball beyond the arc, they were going to hit the shot. And that doesn't exist this year. You flip it to the other side of the ball and much like Coastal's football program makes every opposing quarterback look like prime Aaron Rodgers, Coastal Carolina's men's basketball team makes every team look like the Golden State Warriors. They always shoot well from three against us. Every single game. It doesn't matter what's going on, who's doing what. They're going to get some threes off. They're going to hit them, and they're going to get good looks at them. They're not even going to be really contested. They're, They're making that shot. And at this level of basketball, yes, it's not the NBA. Yes, it's not Duke or North Carolina, but for Christ's sake, you got to get a hand in somebody's face from beyond the arc, and we're just not doing it. I mentioned in my intro that Coastal Carolina made some coaching decisions that were less than ideal. Um, primary among them is is Henry Abraham ever stepping on the court, and I hate to single out a guy, and I hate to, you know, just berate a guy like that who's trying his best, who's doing what he can. And I know I'm famous in the football episodes for calling out guys, but this is an embarrassment that he is Cliff Ellis's go-to guy. This is a guy that continually plays 40 minutes or 30 plus and walks away with 1.1 rebound and no assists. What are we doing? Who is that guy? Get him on the bench now. And Cliff Ellis, because he is so out of touch with modern basketball, continues to put this guy out there and says, hey, well, he plays he plays good defense. Well, yeah, he can play good defense, but A, he doesn't. He plays okay at best defense, and he contributes nothing, nothing on the other end. You're playing four on five every time that he's on the court. Josh, a lot of the problems with Coastal Carolina can be tied back to poor coaching decisions. We got a question in uh, from the Cliff Ellis tracker. Uh, It's one of our favorite uh, Twitter uh, uh, pages, especially for me, who's been yelling to fire Cliff Ellis since the beginning of this podcast. Uh, He puts in, will I die before Cliff Ellis is no longer coaching CCU? Uh, I'm 26 years old, and I will definitely be dead before Cliff Ellis is no longer the coach. Josh, will you be? Yeah, so we saw that tweet. And uh, again, we appreciate you guys for reaching out and asking these types of questions, especially this is a guy that doesn't really retweet our stuff very often, but he, he saw this one and he took his opportunity. And then Nick, Nick Bernando responds, he goes, depends on how healthy you are. So obviously we know Curtis might actually be very healthy because Cliff Ellis has been here since, uh, what, 2007 now? Earlier than that, maybe, probably 2007. And it's just, I mean, like you said, yeah, you might, you might be dead before Cliff Ellis is gone. He signs, he's looked the same for about the past 20 years. He doesn't, he might be immortal. And down in that tweet um, chain, there was, they said that soon he'll his brain will be frozen and his body will go into the cryotherapy chamber. He doesn't really know what that is yet, but he'll probably be like, if I can keep coaching basketball on the beach, that sounds good to me. So he'll probably accept that. And like you said, if you watch us, you're like, 
Henry Abraham is like, like you said, you hate to call a guy out and he's a guy, he's trying his best. He's a, one of the hardest playing guys on our team, but the way, like even the way that they use him, that guy averaged six points a game at Eastern Illinois the past year. Like he can score and he can shoot the three too. He's like a 40% three point shooter. That's the frustrating part, but they have him, they run him, and we move the ball to the middle of the floor. And then we try to get it inside to our detriment. We don't spread the floor out at all. And teams are able to key in on that. And you'll see part of the reason Esam keeps not putting up 30 points a game is because teams, everyone collapses on them. You got four guys coming in and he can't make a pass out. He's not the greatest passer, but he can, he can pass a little bit. But when you have four guys on all different sides of you, teams are not worried about our perimeter threat. We don't move the ball a ton. We run this old style Maybe a couple pick and rolls here, but it's very slow motion. Not a lot of off ball screens for that's one thing Charleston was doing. They had guys running around like Steph Curry does and running through off ball screens. We don't have a lot of off ball movement. And when your point guard is a guy that's not now basketball today is, is point guard has to be a creator. He has to be able to get his own shot. He has to be ISO ball is the name of the game. If you're not moving the ball and hitting threes and Antonio day is a guy like that. So, even when he's in, he's not really bringing the ball up the court. So even the way we play is old school. And yeah, I, it just, you, in today's basketball, I don't, I'm not sure if we know this, but you have to spread the ball out and your point guard's got to be able to create his own shot. Yeah. I mean, old school works for guys like Bob Huggins at West Virginia, when you can bring in the athletes like that and, and it right. doesn't have work. five stars doing it. Yeah, it exactly. Like it doesn't work. You can't play like it's the triangle offense in, in the early nineties. Like you can't, I know we don't play the triangle, but it's just like, it's old school basketball. It's the basketball that I would turn on when I was a kid and would turn on at 10 o'clock after the Penguins game was over and the Cleveland game would come on and I'd watch like pre-LeBron, that's the offense we're running. That's the coach we have at the helm. It's pathetic and it's unacceptable. Yeah, and to further on that, this is not like a a technical basketball science term, but when a team, we have we dunk the ball like zero times a game. And we have some of the best flyers I've ever seen. Josh Duje could compete in a dunk contest. Jimmy Nichols, pre- you should see our pregame layup lines. I mean, these dudes look like the Harlem Globe Trotters, but we don't we don't throw lobs. Like, why isn't Henry Abraham coming off of a pick and roll? And you have Jimmy Nichols back cut or Jimmy Nichols coming off lob the ball. He's like six nine. His wingspan's ridiculous. He can jump out the gym. We don't we don't. And those plays are momentum plays. And they're just they excite the team and they move you faster. And we just don't have any explosive plays. And to flip your argument, you're like, okay, Charleston doesn't do that either. But those dudes are always moving. And their version of the dunk is the off-screen three ball. I mean, we have these athletes on our team, and it's like it's like putting a speed limit on a Tesla or a speed limit on a Porsche. Like you're holding it back. You, you, we've got athletes, we got Porsches, but we're making them drive in a residential area. That's the way I best way I can put it. Yeah, we're making Porsches and Ferraris drive like Priuses, like Ford Fusions. Yeah, yeah, like that's just what we're doing, and we're doing it because it's not what Larry Bird and John Stockton would do. Right. 
Like that's that's the most frustrating thing for me is watching this team play like it's the 1990s. And it's like, no, these guys are athletes that have played in the modern game until they come to Coastal. And then we got to rewind time boop, 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 and just, hey, you're the shooting guard, so you're going to stand right here and hope that your defender falls asleep and we'll get you the ball, maybe. Like, you're not getting a screen, you're not moving around, you're not going to be a distraction or doing anything. You're going to stand right here, right here, right outside the arc, and you're just going to chill. And you're going to hope that before the shot clock expires, your man just falls asleep. I bet if you put a tracker on our guys, if you put one of those vests on and you look at miles run during the course of a game on offense in the oh, half court, it has it to be is the probably ranks FBS. Yeah. It, it probably ranks in the three hundreds in all of division one college basketball. Our offense is passing the ball around the perimeter with Esam in the, in the post and we just try to funnel it in. If that doesn't work, pass it back out. But we're going to throw it back in. Every team knows what we're doing. Our motion offense is, is not there. We've And like you said, we have guys that are fast and can run. And we could tire teams out if we wanted. And that's what Charleston did to us. But we just keep them in this little zone. It's like they're playing zone defense on offense. Don't leave this zone or you're going to get benched. Yeah, we'll bring in Henry Abraham, who can't do shit anyways. But... Jordan, I come to you with this. Uh, how much longer do we have to live with the torture that is Cliff Ellis? I think that Cliff Ellis's time is coming to an end. And, you know, if any if any right athletic director would have a good sense of mind, they would go ahead and try to get rid of him now. The only reason I think they will not get rid of him is just because of the simple fact he just got his 900 career win against Renegade. Or was it against South Dakota? I believe it was South Dakota. Renegade. You said Renegade. That's just that absolutely happened? drives home the point that you're trying to make. It's well, Regent. All right. Regent. Put some respect on that Division Three team. No. Whatever yeah, they're, it is. They're, they're Division Three. I know a bunch of kids that go there. Yeah. Um, I could play on the basketball team. Um, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't fool you guys. Josh can shoot. Josh got a shot. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, Josh does have a shot. Josh can shoot. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I didn't mean to discredit them, but the point I'm trying to make is this. We're, we're playing little small schools. South Dakota, I'm sorry, they're scrubs. We shouldn't be playing them. I don't know what Matt Hogue is thinking, but we've already talked about the whole schedule. We shouldn't play them twice at the very least. Yeah. We, we beat them twice, right? We have how many wins? Five or six? Six. We got six. So we, play, we beat three Division three schools. We have two wins against South Dakota. And who else did we beat? We beat Winthrop, right? Yeah, we beat Winthrop. Beat Winthrop. And we have, this is our fifth loss now, right? Yes, yes. that is correct. So yeah. we are two and five, three and five against Division One opponents. That is yes. correct. Word. So I think that they should definitely try to get rid of him. Probably, I, I would want to get, get rid of him now, but they're not going to because he just broke that. He just got 900 career wins, but. Cliff Fellas, you you've done absolutely everything for this game, and you just need to just have a seat. Cause at this point in time, Coastal's not gonna ever elevate to where it needs to be with you at the helm. And I believe that you have to get get somebody to come in that knows what they're doing, that can get these guys in the position and where they need to be on the court to be successful. And right now you just don't see it with Coach Ellison. 
you know, it would it would be nice to see us have dunks and do spectacular things on the court. We can't do that. Cliff Ellis doesn't like when our players dunk a basketball. He doesn't think it's – I don't know what he's thinking, but he just doesn't like – he doesn't approve of it. So um, I would like for them to try to make a move as soon as possible because the season's still young and maybe – one of our assistant coaches could at the helm could try to get those guys on the right path. But if I'm the athletic director, I'm trying to go ahead and just get rid of them now. That's just my opinion. Yeah. You got a lot of trust in groundhogs day, Matt Hogue, um, to try and do anything different. Uh, Josh, I'll let you jump in here before, before I have something else to add. Yeah. So like you mentioned, it's, it's pretty like in, PR standards, it's pretty hard, you would think, to get rid of a guy that's won 900 games, but it's not because we don't even have a winning record against Division One opponents, and we haven't – we've won 20 games. Like, the guys that we've been blessed with have bailed us out the past couple of years. We've had ridic- ridiculous talent that should – Devontae Jones, our point guard, we got him to stay here for three years. He went and played at Michigan and helped them get to the Sweet 16. He's now playing with Victor Wembanyama. Rudy Williams is averaging 15 points a game at BYU, and he just dropped 26 on a ranked team. Like, we get great guys to come here and play. Antonio Day should never have been at – like, this dude's a bucket. And I just wanted to point out this guy, Twitter, we love you. You guys are amazing. Our Twitter's popping right now with Coastal Basketball. Mid-major basketball. So this mid-major basketball account says – the Sean's got a lot of talent, arguably the most in the Sun Belt from a roster perspective, but it's being wasted. And for the love of God, all that is good. Can Ellis please bench his personal butler, Abraham? And then he lists Day, Jamaru Brown, Yaduje, Lakai, Mustafa. I mean, there's no reason that group of guys can't win the Sun Belt. Well, and, and let's make no mistake here. All those guys are committing to Coastal Carolina because we're bringing in different assistant coaches. We're bringing in different pieces around Cliff Ellis. None of those guys commit to this program for Cliff Ellis. Let's not sugarcoat this. Let's not try and beat around the bushes. Those guys are playing at Coastal Carolina because of the assistant coaches that we have under Cliff Ellis. And the point that I wanted to make before before you jumped in there was that I think Coastal Carolina firing Cliff Ellis tonight. He doesn't get to go home as the coach of Coastal Carolina. Puts Coastal in an amazing position to where you can promote one of your assistants. And much like Georgia Tech football, if he does really, really well and he brings the team together, screw it. He's the new head coach. Or you put yourself in position like Nebraska football did and you fire Scott Frost and you are the first job that's open, and then you have your choice of candidates. That's what Coastal Carolina needs to do. You know how many assistant coaches who've never had a head coaching gig would love to get down there to the beach with all these facilities coming and get a chance to make success at Coastal on their way up to the Power 5 ranks? There's a freaking ton. Yeah, there's too many to count. And and making a move like that is is so hard for Groundhog's Day ass Matt Hogue. But if he could make a decision for once in his life, this would be it. Cliff Ellis doesn't go home tonight as the head coach of Coastal Carolina basketball. 
you're three and five against division one teams. And I know we've got six more games against the schools of deaf and blind coming up the rest of the season. Cause that's what we fill our schedule with, but this team will be lucky to hit 12 wins against division one teams. That would be like 500 and some belt play even. Yeah. I don't even think they hit, man. They'll be lucky to hit double digit division one wins this season. That's pathetic, they only have and that's unacceptable. Two or three right now. Yeah. Yeah, they got three right now. Uh, I don't think they have seven more in them. I really don't. And that's unacceptable from a program building standpoint, and that's unacceptable from a coaching standpoint. Jordan, I'll let you jump in here before we go ahead and wrap up this episode. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, whatever happens with Coach Ellis, I mean, I just want somebody that comes in to replace him that's going to keep build something strong at Coastal to keep NCAA banners in the uh, in the in the in the rafters. But I, I want I want us to make more NCAA tournament appearances. You know, I want us to try to build something with the school and. You know, I just I feel like, you know, Matt Hogue has too much respect for Cliff Ellis to, to fire him right now. And seeing as though they he just got a contract extension also. So dumbest thing we've done in a long yeah, time is handing yeah. out that extension. Yeah, he just got an extension. And, you know, I don't I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think they're going to have to really seriously have a talk with him and try to see if they can, you know, get the numbers fixed and see if they can get the years taken down or maybe like you said, fire him. Cause this just isn't going to, this is, if we keep continue to play like this, you know, I I don't see us playing well in the Sunbelt play and going into the rest of the season. And we'll be a first round ed- exit in the Sunbelt tournament in Pensacola. Hate to say it. Yeah. And I, I, this reminds me a lot of the post, Gardner Webb football episode that never came out where we were all super pessimistic and super down, but I think we're more justified now than we were then in that I don't see Coastal winning a game at the Sunbelt tournament unless if there's some wacky shit that happens in that game. I see us being competitive kind of sort of against some of the bottom teams in the Sunbelt but you're not going to beat some of the good teams in the Sun Belt. You're just, we're going to get season swept by most of the teams in the Sun Belt. And that's just not where this program should be. It's on, again, I go back to it. It's unacceptable. It's, it's a tragedy and it's, it's (laughs) damn it, man. Like this team could be so good. That's the most frustrating thing. Like, that's the most frustrating thing, man. It's the same thing with the football team. We talked all season about this football team, about how good it was and, and how talented it was, and they were just not putting the pieces together, and they were getting some bad coaching in some moments, and, and some things just weren't working. God, it's like deja vu. We're seeing the same thing with the basketball team. The The talent is there. Watch Antonio Day's highlights from last season. Like... Watch him in the few games we've gotten him this season. Man. And you're telling me we're going to play Henry Abraham? I know he's hurt. I know his finger isn't 100% healthy. But I guarantee you a 70% Antonio Day is better than 100% Henry Abraham. 
and it's it's not acceptable. It's yeah. Matt Hoag's got to make a move. His first phone call right now. We're recording this episode like what twenty minutes after the game ended, or we started it about twenty minutes after the game ended. Matt Hoag should be on the phone right now with Joe Moglia, begging for the money to buy out the rest of Cliff Ellis's contract. I mean, it's not even that much. Like, really. He's got a year and a half left. Like, you can't say that that doesn't work in the budget. Yeah. Like, that he has to go. He has to go. So, we, we, I've been on that train forever that Cliff Ellis should be gone. And, and hopefully, he finally is at the end of the season. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's where we end it. Coastal Carolina drops this game to the College of Charleston. And, um, it doesn't look good for the future, but Josh, before we get out of here, before I go through my ending monologue, you had one more thing. Yeah, I've got two quick things to add. First, don't think that we're like spoiled and it's only it's not because we lost by 14 points to College of Charleston. We just haven't recorded a basketball episode in like a month. So we're not spoiled and freaking out because we we lost to a team that's really good and is going to make the NCAA tournament. This is because of all the stuff that we've seen over the past years in the past season. So we're not complaining that we lost to Charleston. We expected it. Some things look good. And then also on a more positive note, I wanted to give a shout out to a team that did something right. It was the women's team. Coach, they, so we had Coach Jada last year and she had a great year a couple years ago and but you know what? Oddly enough, they weren't afraid to move on from her. And they brought in this guy from Lander who has coached a Division II team to multiple Final Fours, and he's come in. And what do they do? They schedule Georgia, Kentucky, and Wake Forest to start the season. And they go out there and they take their beatings, but they almost, in the fourth quarter, they were tied with Wake Forest. That was the third of those games they played. They're battle-tested. And then I was in the truck working replay for that Furman game. And Furman was a six-win team at that time. They were like six and two. And Coastal Carolina women's team held them scoreless for the entire second quarter. Ten minutes scoreless. Ran on a 21-0 run. This dude, I've been at their practices. He demands nothing but effort. He's not afraid to sit anyone. He will move his lineup all the time. He does. He did a full five-person line change. This dude, Kevin Pedersen, like, shout out to you, man. I mean, I wish you were to coach. Can somebody coach the men's and women's team? Because that dude, he's a winner. He, he's he got girls. Anaya Barney is the best three-point shooter that's ever worn teal and bronze on campus right now. If she could play in the men's team, I would be all for that. She's actually a spot-up shooter. That team is fun to watch. They play hard. They run fast breaks. Uh, you would think the athleticism of this men's team would be the Showtime shots, but if you actually want to watch great basketball and a team that that's fun to watch and you can get behind, please show the women's team some love. They're they're really I think they're going to turn some heads in the Sun Belt this year. And I mean, man, to schedule those teams to start, that's the way we should do it. It doesn't matter if you lose to those teams because you just have to win your conference tournament. So shout out to Kevin Pedersen, the women's team. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, this is a team you can get behind. This is a team that that you can cheer on that that feels good. And not to say that the too. men's team doesn't, but right. like this women's team is just stellar. And in his first season as coach, they've just gone above and beyond. I, I know Jada took a team that won next to no games the season before, and they won double-digit games last season. They were competitive in a lot of them. And now this season, hey, 
I know Matt Hogue makes the schedule for both schools or for both teams, excuse me. But that has to be a coach going in there and saying, hey, listen, we want tested. We don't want to play the school of the deaf and blind six times in a season. They're playing South Carolina, the best women's basketball team of the last decade. Up there with UConn, right? They're playing them on Wednesday. Are they going to win that game? No. <laughs> if they do, it'll be one of the biggest upsets and one of the best wins in, in coastal athletics history. But I fully support that. It makes yes. no sense that our men's basketball team doesn't play North Carolina once every three yeah. years, doesn't play NC State and Wake Forest. Clemson. Clemson, South Carolina. God, could you imagine playing South Carolina and the atmosphere that that had every season? Golly, yeah. no, nah, let's I mean... play Regent a fucking again. And here's the thing too. You you mentioned it, and Matt like here's like we dog on Matt Hogue, but Matt Hogue actually like he makes the base schedule for the basketball season. But a lot of bat football is a lot different because it's so many years in the basketball coaches in the off season. You can make games quick. They call each other. Kevin Pedersen got on the phone with he scheduled the game against Kentucky and Georgia, and the South Carolina game was scheduled by Hogue and them. But he got on the phone. They made his assistant made calls. Like the coaches in basketball have a lot more control over the schedule because yes, that do. can be made. Yep. That has to be made. It's not made before the season's over. They have to make that over the summer. They can add games. You not every team has to play a certain amount. Some teams play twenty eight. Some teams play thirty. So that says a lot about our men's teams not doing that. And they're either they're not looking. They're not. They're lazy. They don't want to look hard for games. But he was actually oh. making calls and called those coaches. Playing South Dakota twice in a season is all the evidence you need that they're lazy as shit. Yeah, they, you. we don't want to look for a different game. We don't want to look through 300 schedules to see who has an open date. You want to play twice? Yep, cool. All right. Yeah. And South Dakota has the same problem, obviously. And and a thought just occurred to me, and I, I promise we're wrapping up. I've been promising yeah. we've been wrapping up for 15 minutes, but uh, bear <laughs> with me here. Do you think that that is Cliff Ellis padding his own stats before he retires and or becomes cryogenically, you know, frozen and oh, that's on the way coaches forever? Like, do you think that's Cliff Ellis scheduling six division three schools just to get wins in there? I think the intent is is I, I don't know why you would schedule more. Every team, big team plays one, but that's it. I, I don't know that he's stat padding. Because it, he doesn't seem to really care about that too much. But it doesn't also seem like he's very involved at all. And it's maybe just, oh, Coach Coach Moss, figure this out before Tuesday. Like, And Coach Moss is like, well, shit, I, I don't know who to yeah. call. So it's like, Regent, you want to come down here? We need a game. I think it's a lack of planning. And I think it's a lack of looking into how important that is. Yeah. Well, and also, if I'm... I'm just throwing a name out there. If I'm coach Calipari at Kentucky and I get a call from Zach Moss trying to schedule a game, it's like, why didn't Cliff Ellis call me? Right, right, exactly. All right. Last point, Jordan, I will give it to you and then we'll uh, we'll actually finally get out of here for once. Well, I, I just want to say this. I mean, I feel like if, if, if Coach Ellis really wanted to play somebody competitive Josh, like Josh Shady, he would have called somebody. And I don't know if they're scared to play you know, bigger Division One teams, but, you know, playing South Dakota 
and Regent and Methodist, that doesn't get you better. And you see evidence of the women's basketball team and how they're playing, how better they're they're getting. You know, I just I feel like if we could just play, like you said, a Memphis or an Auburn or play a money game. No, we may not win, but God, it's going to help get, build the confidence of the team going forward because I feel like you just get better by that way. And the women's team is going to make a big push, and you might see a surprise out of them. They actually have everything, I think, what it takes to try to make it to a Sunbelt championship. Maybe even make it to the NCAA tournament this year. But, you know, when you got Matt Hogue and you got Coach Ellis still there and he's still trying to get a 1,000 wins, and that's the only thing I think. He'll get a 1,000 wins and then he'll just probably just call it quits. But, God, he'll probably be there another, what, three, four years? To get a thousand I mean, wins. if they play thirty it games would a be season, at least he's winning fifteen, he'll be there for like six more seasons. That, right? Six or seven. Well, it'd be like that's ninety. What that's what I think is going to happen. He's going to be there until he gets a thousand wins, and just kill me now. Have just, to, just kill me now. That's what I think is going to happen. Don't quote me on it, but if you think if if you, it makes sense, he's only got a hundred more wins to go. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it at that. Only a hundred. Oh God, oh, Lord. Lord help us. 99, actually. Yeah, really. 99. Woo, you beat them. Yeah, you beat South Dakota. You beat the Coyotes. How many of you knew their mascot was the Coyotes? I asked I you. I didn't. Yeah, there you go. God damn it. God. I hate I hate this basketball program. <laughs> I love the players. I love Coastal Carolina. I love the athletes that we have here. Everybody beyond the players on the team. What the hell are we doing? What are we even doing here? Oh, boy. Deep breath, everybody. Deep breath. All right. With that, follow us on Twitter at The Shant Show on Instagram at Shant Show. We, uh, we've we started putting out tweets that ask for questions before we record. It's been really helpful for us to get uh, a topic to talk about. Um, and it's, it's a good way for you guys to get involved. But we send those tweets out about 15 to 20 minutes before we start to record. And if your question isn't in by the time we start, it's just not going to make the episode. So if you're hearing this, turn on your Twitter notifications. Uh, Every time we post, uh, you'll get a nice little notification and you'll catch the one that says, hey, head us up with your questions and we'll get you on an episode. With that, I think we'll get out of here. Um, I hope that by the time we post this episode, Cliff Ellis is no longer the coach. Um, but uh, if we post this, that means I'm still alive and therefore <laughs> Coach Ellis is still the coach. So, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, that's just how it's got to be. So we'll see you guys around next time. Sean's up forever. Fire Cliff Ellis. <laughs>